Hello and welcome to the podcast, What I Wish I Knew Was an NQT, with me, Jeremy Crook. This is a show where my guests and I will share with you our experiences, both good and bad, of life as an NQT. Today, I'm talking to Maisie Smith. Maisie has just qualified and starts her teaching career with a year three class in a school in Basildon, Essex. I was talking to Maisie recently at her graduation ceremony, and she was telling me about the two days she spent with her new class at the end of the summer term. And she said one thing that made me invite her on the podcast. One thing that every teacher, not just NQTs, should do at the start of the autumn term. And what is it? What is that one thing? It's the importance of making clear to her class what great learners do, what their habits are, how they need to behave all the time if they are to succeed day after day. Maisie wants to make sure that all her class understand the attitudes they need to develop if they are to be successful with their learning. And we're going to be discussing how to do that today. Welcome, Maisie. I'm really grateful for you sparing the time to talk to me today. So let's start with a bit of background. What inspired you to become a teacher? So I've always really enjoyed being around children. I find them really fascinating. And I just feel like they all they all behave so differently and they all get really excited about different things. And I feel like as a primary school teacher, you can really bring out the, the excitement from them all and everyone has different interests. And it's really like, like the perfect job really to be able to do that. I've also undertook like various experiences at Brownies and I really enjoyed creating like the activities for them and seeing how they interact with each other. I've also spent time at like local primary school and seeing how it's like in the like, school environment. I particularly enjoyed helping children with special educational needs and ensuring that they were kind of part of the class and they were really included and I really enjoyed being in like an inclusive environment for them because I thought it was really important for those children, but also for the other children in the class to know that they're all important. Yeah, that's so important, isn't it? Every child matters. That's a bit of an old cliche phrase these yeah. days, but, but crikey, it's true. Every single child really matters. And we have to hold that, don't we, right at the centre of our practice, every minute of every day. Did you have anyone in your family? What did your family think about you becoming a teacher? Oh, so my mum is a, a secondary school psychology teacher. So she always thought I would become a primary school teacher, but I wasn't always sure. Part of me thought I would, but I wasn't sure. Um, so she always thought that was what was going to happen. I guess mums always know, don't they? <laughs> yeah, so mums always know. <laughs> so tell us about those two days with your new class. Were you apprehensive? What was it like when you walked through the door for the first time? Oh, I was very nervous. <laughs> it was really like important to me that the children weren't, they weren't nervous and that they were really excited about kind of having me as a new teacher and about like the next year. Um, so I tried to make the activities that I did with them as kind of exciting as possible so that they would obviously learn learn what they could from it, but also felt excited about September. Um, so we spent quite a lot of time, I taught a science lesson and they were all really inspired by that. I really enjoyed that. What did you do? I did a rocket experiment. Oh, great. You can't go <laughs> um, wrong with rockets, can you? No. <laughs> and I had a bit of a joke with them. I was saying, oh, they're... You don't know, the head teacher doesn't know that I brought in the rockets today. And they were all like, <gasps> <laughs> so it was all really exciting. And they really That's enjoyed, really good. I, really I was reading it. an article only yesterday, in fact, 
and it, and it was by a, a very skilled teacher and he was talking about the use of humor in class and and how critical the use of humor is to uh, to get children engaged feeling confident looking forward to being in the classroom with the teacher and uh, and you've just illustrated that to us there haven't you you know that yeah. head doesn't know don't <laughs> tell anyone and of course the children know the head knows but um but just that little bit of drama is a is a very engaging yeah. way to talk to them. As I've like gathered from spending those two days with two days with them, and I was also lucky to spend the last week of term with them as well. They all really like jokes, and when, particularly when they feel upset about something, jokes really kind of boost up, boost their feelings. I've actually bought the joke book for them. Hey, nice. <laughs> we, what a g- that, if anything now that, happens, we can use that. <laughs> did you do that on your training course? This is the best joke book to buy for class. No, I don't remember. I might have. I don't remember doing that. Right. I, I think we should write that into every <laughs> course. This is the book. Yeah. This is the best joke book for 11-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 9-year-olds, etc. I might write one. What a good idea <laughs> that is. I'm going to put that out on Twitter today. What are the best <laughs> jokes you've ever told with your class? And what age yeah, was it suitable like for? That would be good, wouldn't it? A book, yeah. a book for each year group, just like the national curriculum but for <laughs> jokes. Yeah, yeah I think they good. need it sometimes, don't they? Sometimes they do. it's there a bit There was a bit of research done it. some time ago, and it said, and it said four-year-olds need to laugh forty times a day to be healthy. <laughs> forty times. I mean, well, it's not difficult lot. with four-year-olds, is it? Because they laugh all no. the time, but. <laughs> But it's definitely important. All those endorphins getting released because you're enjoying life. It definitely helps you learn yeah. better. So what was the bit you enjoyed most of that day or those days? Hmm. I think I enjoyed, it might sound really silly, but I enjoyed like observing them and kind of seeing what, what worked, who they worked well, like sat with each other who got along really well, who needed more help. I enjoyed kind of getting all of the information I could from them so that I can put things in place in September to kind of make it as a successful kind of transition as possible. So I just yeah. enjoyed getting to know them yeah, that's and seeing really them around each other. Because if you want to really challenge children in their learning, you have to have a relationship with them. Yeah. Without that relationship, challenge can seem like a threat but but when you've got a good relationship with them challenge is encouragement challenge is i know you can do this and 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 they feel comfortable in your confidence in them yeah and i felt like i really needed to know them as people and as learners to kind of know how they would react to different challenges yeah 100 percent. i think you're spot on with that so what, do you think that was the most think, useful thing you learned about your class? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would say so. Because I feel like you can't, you can't really get anywhere with them unless you know them and you know what works for them and what doesn't. Yeah, they have to know Because otherwise they're you... sat there anxious as well and you don't know. That's it. And, and they have to know you care about them, don't they? Because if yeah. they know that you care about them, They'll open up to you and they'll tell you all their anxieties and concerns and worries and, and fears about learning, but fears about other things too. And, yeah. uh, and if we could create that environment of great support, then uh, those fears just evaporate on the whole. You know, a month into term, you're going to be thinking, crikey, it's like we've been together forever. 
because uh, because you've nurtured that atmosphere in the class. So what was the one thing you did that you thought was most valuable to do? So we, I decided, so we were called Otter's Class. So I decided that instead of making rules, because I feel like it's quite a harsh term, I'm not keen on the term rules, we made Otter Expectations. Oh, and nice. I felt like by calling it that, it felt like it was theirs and it was important that they did it because they're like the little otters in the class. Yeah. Um, and obviously I referenced them quite a lot as otters that this way so that they all knew that they were part of it and it was an expectation of all of them. And yeah, I thought... Yeah, that's good. That's really important, isn't it? This is yeah. an expectation we all have because what you're saying there is, I know that all of you can achieve it. Yeah. And I feel as though generic rules, I think they would have obviously heard them a million times before and they're like, oh, you know, whatever. They're saying I can't rock on my chair again. Yes. <laughs> and I oh, feel that's like... such a good point. I love that point. The ones <laughs> they've heard forever and ever. It's a bit like year sixes. Why are we t- still teaching them full stops? They've heard it for years and years. Yeah. Same old message. Why, why is it that they still don't do it? It must be something about the way we're doing it because it's not that they can't do it. Yeah, I think it's an overload of things. (laughs) You know, that that we need to uh, freshen things up. And yeah. So what about, so what did you come up with? What were the things that they thought were really important? So we, we did like a little circle time together. Yeah. It was kind of as I first went in. So I went around the whole circle, everyone said their name and something about them. Um, And then we decided that we were going to come up with our Otto expectations so the first one was outstanding otters, try their best, take care of others, excellent listeners, responsible, respectful, and ready to learn. And what did they think of that list? Well, it, my, most of the list is theirs. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. I, so what did they think of it? Yeah, they liked it. And we were kind of chanting it back to check that they remembered. Oh, nice. <laughs> All of their, so I went round to kind of each table and got all of their ideas and wrote them on the whiteboard. But I thought it was important that they made it so that had they had like ownership over it. It wasn't just someone telling them to do something and they didn't yeah. understand why, they needed to know why. I think that's 100% true, isn't it? Because uh, ownership is so important. One of the five rules of assessment for learning, um, I remember reading an article on that. Um, the five things you must do with assessment for learning. And one of them was ownership, ownership of the learning, ownership of what you do. If you want children to self-assess and and to care about it and to do it accurately, they have to have the authority to do it. And that's the same with this, isn't it? I feel like they need to be doing it for them, not because someone's told them to. They do it because they think it's the right thing to do, not because of anyone else. Yeah, that's so important because that's that's where we want to get to with our children all the time, isn't it? We want to get to the point where they say, because it's interesting, when I go into schools a lot, when I chat to children and I say to children, how will you know if your work is really good? And they say, the teacher will tell me. And I said, well, well, don't you have an idea of how your work will be really good? What is it about your work that will make you go, I'm really proud of this? And often they don't know. Or they'll say something like, my handwriting, or it's neat. And you think they don't really know the essence of what learning is. So, yeah. so I love the way you've, you've done that so that you can keep going back to them. 
Now, it's obviously not an exhaustive list, but it's a great list to start with, isn't it? So Yeah, I did have, <laughs> when I spoke with some of the children in the class, they've had, had a bit of a falling out. <clears throat> and they said to me, I said, well, what was one of our auto expectations? We try our best. And they said, oh, we thought that was just in learning. And I was like, no, that isn't everything. I expect you to try your best to be nice to each other as well, to make sure you're all getting along and being kind to each other. And that was kind of a turning point for them. I don't think they'd realise. So I have to re-emphasise it a bit more in September that it's about everything. I expect them to do that for everything, not just when they're learning in lessons. Yeah, and I think that's a great point to make, isn't it? Because they're just young children. They're going to make endless mistakes who've got so yeah. much to learn about so many things, including caring for each other. And, uh, and that message coming right at the start of your year with them so clear and as you say you're going to have to revisit this endlessly because they'll still fall out won't you you've only yeah. got to look at uh at adults in our world and how quickly they fall out this is something <laughs> you have to work hard to learn and and to apply so uh you're going to have to do that a lot aren't you with year fours before it becomes fully embedded and that's that's a great place to start now obviously what will happen through that first half term, other things will crop up, won't they? That, uh, that as you're working, you'll say, crikey class, outstanding otters. Do you think this is important for outstanding otters, what we've just seen here? Because uh, when I was thinking about your list, I was thinking, what would I do next as a teacher? What might be important to add to the list? And I was thinking again about independence, uh, and, and just thinking there's going to be some point in your first half term where some children move their learning on fantastically well for themselves. And you're going to pick that up and say, Stephen, just love the way you have solved that problem for yourself. Just tell everyone how you did it. And he'll say, well, I asked me mate or something like that. Or I looked <laughs> at the working wall or I went back to the example you showed us and worked it out. And, and those sort of moments are key moments, aren't they? Because you can say, outstanding otters, do you think we should add this to our list? Solving problems for yourself? Have you come yeah, across so any of those? Yeah, so it will encourage each other. It will encourage them all to do that. 100%. Won't it? All of that praise is really important because I really tried to praise every, every, every time, obviously, I saw it. When any yeah. of them following any of the kind of expectations was a big kind of praise moment. Yeah, and that's critical. I mean, they say, don't they, public praise, private admonishment, because yeah. no one likes feeling feeling humiliated when they've they've made a mistake, and and young children make loads of them. But but you're doing just the right thing there, aren't you? By going, woohoo! Look at this, everyone, <laughs> because as you say, everyone then wants to be noticed. I used to say in my class, uh, I've just seen Sarah doing this. Can anyone else do that? And of course, all the children who haven't been doing it will say, yeah, I can. And you say, good, I'm going to watch you now then and see if you can do it. And then, of course, they do it. And then that starts to build into their behaviours every day. And, and that's a really powerful way of doing it. When, when you're on teaching practice, did you ever see um, any of these independent strategies I'm thinking of something like the four Bs. I don't know if you've seen the four Bs. It's used in lots of schools, but brain, board, buddy, boss. 
what do I do when I get stuck? First, I oh, use my yeah, brain. Oh, yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, you know, then I look at them. the board or look in my book, look on the working wall. Then I ask my buddy and then the boss. That's the last person I ask um, when I've when I've tried myself to get myself unstuck. Do you think you'll you'll want to use something like that? Yeah, I think so. I remember there being a poster of I think it might have been three the one at my placement school. But yeah. there was a poster of it on the wall. Yeah, I think I might weave that in somehow. Yeah, but I did thing. spend a, a lot of time kind of giving them, particularly for like maths, I would give them different maths kind of concrete resources and then say, right, you choose what you think you need to use. It's going to help you the most. Yes. And that I'm... was even with year twos and they're like a lot younger. Yeah, but 100% right. Because we have to empower them, don't we? And, and that's what I like about ideas like the four Bs. It doesn't matter if you use the four Bs, you can use anything. Because as the old song goes, it ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. Um, <laughs> that's the point, isn't it? So, um, yeah. But, but using something like this, and as you've just said again, Maisie, you're so wise, you're so young, and yet you're so wise. You then notice Maybe. them doing <laughs> it. Well, sometimes we're all wise sometimes, aren't we? And, uh, and at other times, probably not. But um, it's nice to recognise when we are being wise. Um, and, and then praising them again for doing it. Love the way you used the working wall there. Fantastic. That's one of our four Bs, isn't it, children? Brain bored. Couldn't, couldn't work it out just by thinking. Looked at the working wall. I'm so proud of you. Well done. And then people will say three minutes later, Maisie, I've just used the working wall. And you say, brilliant, well done, I'm so pleased, that's so good. You're obviously a great learner. And that's so powerful, isn't it, those things? Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's that. what we're talking about here, really, is, is a key idea that you've got your list at the start of term, and then as you go through the term, you're going to add bits to the list. Not too many bits, the most important bits. And then as you go into the next term, you're going to add more bits because otherwise it's like the list of rules you see, what, what you've said about rules. They're up on the classroom wall. They don't change all year. So even if the class are meeting all the rules, they never change. So there's never an additional challenge. And I think with these, these lists of great learning behaviours, really important, each half term, each term, to add something into them. Say, we're really good at this now, so I'm going to add something else. The other one I really like that I used to use in mine all the time was questioning. And uh, and, and we used to, because I used to use talk partners all the time. Um, so someone would make a comment and I'd say, right now in your talk partners, just have a chat about that. Do you agree or disagree? And, and why? Because justification, of course, when we want to get into that higher order thinking, we want children to justify, don't we, what they're thinking. And I'd say... What then? Agree or disagree? And uh, and what's the reason why? And then we'd say to the children, right, now, can anyone add anything extra? Jean agrees, but can anyone add anything extra? Holly, what do you think? Ella, what do you think? And then they add bits on. And then, of course, what you want is to say, anyone want to challenge that? Anyone want to challenge that? Now, whilst you don't do that every time in every set of questioning times in class, really powerful way of getting them to be good at questioning. So they think about it, then they agree or disagree, 
then they add something and then they challenge each other. And I think that's such a powerful structure to questioning because it's easy for the teacher to remember and it's easy for the children to remember. And, and when you get into that process, uh, they keep thinking about them. Yeah, I think the like justification is important as well. Because I always try with maths. So I've actually printed on my, to put on my lanyard questions like, how do you know? Can you convince me? Are you sure? Because I feel like they always believe that you know the answer and that you're right. Yeah. And that they need to figure it out for themselves because I don't always know. <laughs> and they can't always just think, oh, because they're an adult, they know, because it's not the case. Yeah. And it's really important as well that they don't just see you as the fount of all knowledge, isn't it? Because, of course, 99% of the time you are going to know um, for the for the core ideas you're teaching but you certainly aren't going to know the answers to all the questions children ask you um, particularly in subjects like science and geography and history you know yeah. what's what's what effect is global warming going to have <laughs> in Basildon Miss Smith in 20 years time well, you haven't got a clue, have you? No, I don't know. Because <laughs> no one knows. It's all it's all hypothesis and conjecture. But uh, and in those situations, it's fine to say I don't know. But what is happening with global warming? Let's have a think about what's happening. So, how might that affect Basildon? And then we're back to what you just said. Actually, we're we're justifying, aren't we? We're thinking about yeah. possible reasons and explaining why or why not they may be important. So back yeah, to this. Yeah, go on. I'm sorry, I was just going to say, my year twos always used to say to me, so I used to ask them, oh, how do you know? I'm not sure. I don't, oh, I don't know the answer to that. When it was obviously something I did know the answer to. Yeah. And they would say to me, oh, you always do this. You don't know. You keep saying <laughs> you don't know and you do. It's like, no, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's good, isn't it? I used to say to mine as well, they'd ask me a question. I'd ask them a question back. But it was a question that scaffolded their thinking a bit because I knew if they don't know the answer, literally don't know and have no idea, you just tell them, don't you? Because there's, yeah. no point, there's no point quizzing them when they don't know. You know, they're stuck. What do I do with this four in maths? Well, and you think, actually, I'm not sure I've taught them that, so I'm just going to tell them now. Because yeah, there's no, there's there's no point just going, what do it? you think? Yeah, what do you think? Well, I don't know, teacher. That's why I'm asking <laughs> you, you fool. That's what um, you're there for. <laughs> that's it, exactly. So sometimes you have got just have got to tell them, haven't you? But when you realise there's they've got a couple of ideas in their head, and if they join those two ideas together, they'll find the answer. Then it's much better to ask a question, then, isn't it? Because then they're synthesising their ideas, putting them together into something more meaningful, and and that's really powerful, isn't it? Then to have that. So what do you think then? So you're in class there. How's it going to develop further? So how do you think you might move this forward through the year? Well, already from spending the last week with them, I've noticed that I'd like them to be better at working as a team, like working together. So I'm probably going to add that in before that, like with them, I'll probably talk to them about that on the first day and then add in teamwork with them because I think that's really important so that they actually use each other as support, not just me or the LSA. I think they need to use each other. So I would probably add that one in. They also need to spend some time like working on their self-confidence because I'd like them to be more confident than they currently are. Um, but I'm preparing like growth mindset things to try and support that. 
Yeah, because that's really important, isn't it? That, that that taking away the fear of of being wrong. In in my class, if if the work was too easy, if a child said, "Mr. Crooks is a bit easy," I know all this. The children used to boo me. They used to say, "You're meant to make it harder for us. We want to learn something <laughs> new," and uh, and they didn't do it disrespectfully. You know, it was it was jokily, but they used to uh, they used to go boo. <laughs> and then uh, and then someone put their hand up and say, Mr. Crook, I'm stuck. And and then they'd go, yay, time to learn something new. And uh, <laughs> and so there was no stigma at all with being wrong. The only time, you know, the, the person who couldn't be bothered, the year six who still doesn't use full stops, you know, well, they'd get a bit of a of an ear bashing from their peers. They'd say, what do you mean? <laughs> He's asked you to put full stops in. You, you haven't used full stops. You've got to be joking. You're year six. <laughs> and, uh, I, that, that was a very funny story. Once my deputy head said, I'm, I'm at my wits end. I can't get this lad to uh, put full stops in. And I said, right, do this then. I said, when he's written one sentence, tell him he has to walk across the classroom with his book, show you the sentence with the full stop in place, you don't say anything to him, don't give him any attention, but then once he's shown you, he walks back and writes the next sentence. And she said, really? I said, yeah, really, try it. I said, you've tried everything else. We need to do something different. Back to what you said, Maisie, right at the start. We need to do something different. So she did that, and she said she only had to do it twice. <laughs> so the first time he got up, and one of the children said, where are you going? He said, I've got a show Mrs. Creek, my book to show where I've put a full stop in. And uh, they said, what? You've got to be joking. Anyway, so he did the first time. The <laughs> second time he got up, which was three minutes later, having written another sentence, half the class said, what are you doing now? And he said, I've, I've been told I've got to show every sentence. And, and Chris, who was a wonderful teacher, said, um, well, if you if you think now you can put them in properly, you don't need to get up. And he said, no, no, I will. I'll put them in. And he didn't always get them right, but he always put full stops in his writing after that. And it was oh, just doing something him. different. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, uh, and she had such a wonderful environment in her classroom. There was no fear about it. He felt a bit uncomfortable having to get up. But, um, <laughs> but because they loved her and trusted her, you know, it, it, it had a massive impact in, on him. Maisie, that's a good place to stop, I think. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I just love your attitude. You're going to become a great teacher. And your attitude reminds me of, uh, of a quote from Abraham Maslow. You know, the American psychologist who uh, created Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Um, he said so many interesting things, of course, about education. And he used to stress the importance of focusing on positive qualities in people as opposed to, to treating them, he used to call it as a bag of symptoms, as someone with all these problems internally and, oh, crikey, what are we going to do? But he very much believed, look at the positive in people. And then what you'll get from people all the time is the positive. And, yeah. he, and he once said this, he said, one can choose to go backward towards safety or forward toward growth. This is your growth mindset stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Growth must be chosen again and again. Fear must be overcome again and again. And, and that's what you've shown us today, Maisie, because I love the way you're always seeking new ideas. You're not afraid to try new things. 
you're willing to try them out with the children to see if they can be of benefit to your teaching and their learning. And, and if you instill your attitude in the children, so they behave in the way that you do, you're going to have fantastic learners. And that's what every teacher wants. So thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been fascinating. All right. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be of great value to, uh, to all those, those new teachers, or maybe the teachers who don't focus enough on learning behaviours. Hopefully it'll be, there's been some useful things here for them too. So what now, listeners? Is this something you could do with your class? We say that one small thing can make a difference to your teaching and a difference to the success of your pupils. And I think this one thing is one of the most important you can all do. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you feel inspired, please leave a review and share it with your friends. I'd be very keen to know what you'd like us to discuss in future podcasts. So please get in touch. We'll keep you updated, of course, on what's to come and more on Twitter at WhatNQT. I look forward to being with you next time for another thought-provoking educational chat. Until then, I'm Jeremy Crook, and this has been the latest podcast from What I Wish I Knew as an NQT.